Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent season. Yay! <laughs> As evidence of our Advent wreath here, our beautiful Advent wreath. I also want to direct your attention to the beautiful flowers in white here. Um, this is in loving memory of, of uh, Mama Chow's daughter, Jeannie, who is face-to-face with the Lord right now, and and uh, but we miss her uh, terribly. And Jeannie was really something special and very kind to your pastor. And uh, she is missed. And unfortunately, Mama Chow and myself and several of us in this group have had that experience to have a child go home before we do. And uh, um, while we understand where they are, it doesn't make it any easier, does it? But... Uh, it's kind of a group that we never would have chosen to be a part of, but I'm glad to be in it with you. Such loving hearts that are in here right now. So uh, let us think of Mama Chow and, and Jeannie and her family, and thank you for that, and thank you ladies that did the beautiful flowers. Today is a message about that, uh, of hope that we will, because of Jesus' incarnation, be face-to-face, not only with him, but with the saints, our loved ones who went before us. Amen? And I think that's about all that I'm going to tell you, other than uh, one of the things that I want to make clear for those that are listening and those that are here um, during this this time of of the season that we are in, uh, COVID and and whatnot, um, I think that it's important to know this that this church is your church. It was given to you and made possible by what Christ did on that cross. And as your pastor, I am not going to tell you that you can't come here. And I tell you that we will take precautions and use the guidelines that have been given us, proper guidelines to to minimize our risk, but it is about um, personal responsibility. And if you personally feel that Um, you need to be here, then I am not going to tell you you can't come in. And if you feel that you cannot safely be here, then I'm here to tell you then that's okay too. And I love you and so does everybody in this congregation and it's okay. And we miss you and we will see you when this, this has passed. But these are decisions that we have to make. And as your pastor, I need to say it publicly, um, that is the stance that I'm taking as your pastor here. So come if you want to come. Stay home if you need to stay home and know that we are longing to see you again. And your pastor makes house calls, so give me a call if you want to do that. With little further ado, let us go with our opening hymn, which is, I Need Thee Every Hour. Every 
come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast 
of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9, and can be found in page 1161 in your pew Bible. In this, Isaiah writes of God's appearance, which is so intense that it's like a consuming fire that burns everything in its path. He also writes that we can only be saved by God's mercy. Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that mountains would tremble before you. As when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are all shriveled up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins swept us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We, all, uh, we are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. We're going to read Psalms 80, verses 1 through 7, responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. This prayer is for revival and restoration after experiencing destruction. God's our only hope for salvation, especially in these times when we look at what's going on today. Psalm 80, 1 through 7. Hear us. Shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. 
Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The epistle this morning is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 uh, through 9, and can be found on page 1771 in the Pew Bible. Paul's letter to Corinth addresses how God's grace and our faith in Jesus Christ should bring us peace. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 9. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my Lord for you because his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37, and can be found on page 1578 in your pew Bible. Mark 13, 24 through 37. But in those days, following that distress... The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. And if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. 
will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, coming of Advent looks forward to the coming of Christ in the future. And at that time, he will join our bodies and our souls together in, in resurrection. And then he will take his holy, forgiven people to live forever with him in heaven. Advent truly looks to the future, the future coming of Christ. But that is not all that there is to Advent. Advent lives in the present, in the faith that Christ comes to us right now. He comes as we read or hear his words, as we receive the, the water and the word in baptism, and as we eat and as we drink his body and his blood at the altar. Advent includes the present coming of Christ, but that is not all that there is to Advent. Advent is also a fact of history that Jesus has already come, and we call that the incarnation. Incarnation literally means making into flesh or taking on flesh. In Christianity, we use the word incarnation when we talk about God taking on human nature, human flesh, and human blood. Without God coming in the flesh, without incarnation, all the other comings of God would do us no good. I will say that one more time. Without God coming in flesh, without the incarnation, all of the other comings of God would do us no good. Without the incarnation, there would be no suffering and death on the cross for our salvation. Without the incarnation, there would be no resurrection. Without the incarnation, there would be no baptism. Without the incarnation, there would be no body and no blood at the altar. Basically, without incarnation, the entire Christian faith would be pointless. The incarnation is a fact of history, but it is also timeless, and it has timeless effects. How so? Point to Scripture, Pastor. Well, here you go. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. When the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's what it means when I say that we have been given the right to be called the children of God by what he did for us. God sent his Son into time, so that believers of all time might receive eternal adoption into God's family. The faith of both Old Testament saints and New Testament saints is on the incarnation of the Son of God. So it is truly good, truly right, 
and truly salutary that we contemplate God in his incarnation on this Advent Sunday. Without incarnation, today's reading from the prophet Isaiah would not, could not, he couldn't have prayed that prayer that we heard. If we look at the opening words of our reading this morning, the words of Isaiah were, oh, that you would rend, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And if you think about it, this is an insane request, a crazy thing to pray without hope in incarnation. Why? Because without the saving work of incarnation, God can only come down to judge. He can only come down to condemn and to punish. Without the incarnation of the Son of God, Isaiah's words are absolutely foolish. One might even say that his words are suicidal. Isaiah continues his prayer as he describes the nature of God. Did you hear it? He said, God makes the mountain shake. God kindles consuming fires. The nations tremble in God's presence. That God acts on, beha- on behalf of those who wait on him. He, God, meets him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember him in his ways. Now that all sounds like pretty good stuff until Isaiah describes us. Were you listening? Here's a recap. Isaiah describes us. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. And in our sins we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, they take us away. Further, he says, there is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities, our sin. Isaiah's prophecies contain no false optimism concerning the human condition. He tells it like it is. And we have no redeeming qualities of our own, no righteousness of our own. And according to God's law, we are a pollution. We are worse than the worst smog or hazardous waste. That's why it's crazy for him to call him down, render and come on down without the incarnation. So given the nature of God and the nature of man, our sin should make us into a target of God's wrath. We should have to be crazy to ask God to rend the heavens and come down without the incarnation. We would not be among the righteous that God helps, but among the enemy that trembles in fear without the incarnation. We would be inviting God to come and condemn us. Without the incarnation, it would be better for God to just stay where he is. Without the incarnation, Isaiah's prayer is not only insane, but it's also incredibly arrogant. Those are pretty strong words for me to use about the prophet Isaiah. But they are. Isaiah calls God his father. 
How is that possible? How can the Lord who hates sin be true father to the polluted? The world, the world would have us believe this, that the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man is some sort of an automatic thing. The world insists that it makes no difference how you live, what you believe, whether you worship, or whom you worship. The world says God is a God of love, so of course he's your father. Yeah? (laughs) Not so fast. Even the world's own news, the headlines show that this is a lie, that we cannot even get along with each other, that there are always wars, that there is always terrorism, that there is always crime. And if we cannot get along with each other, why would we think that we could get along with a holy and righteous and just God. In our arrogance, we deceive ourselves and that that self-deception is dangerous. The only safe way for us to have any transaction with God is for God to come to us. And that's what incarnation is all about. Yesterday we talked about it in men's group. We don't climb up to God. He came down to us. And the question I ask, who chased who? He chased you. It is in the incarnation that the Son of Man and the Son of God are one and the same person. And that's important. It is when Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes down to tell Mary that she is to be the mother of God, and the mother of God, and that's when the incarnation begins. The Lord Almighty who created man in his image was now a microscopic, carbon-based life form inside of her. If you think about it, the God of heaven and earth, he comes to us as a simple egg that has become fertile by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here is the beginning of the incarnation of God. Now, Isaiah prayed for God to tear open, to rend the heavens and come down. And God did just that. But he did it quietly. Still, softly, to a maiden. And we didn't see him rend the heavens and come down until God the Son was already laid in the manger. And only then did the heavenly hosts make the announcement. And even then, it was to humble shepherds. They didn't tear open the heavens and come down in a blaze. He tore open the heavens and he came down as a baby. We didn't see the triune God rend the heavens and open to us like a flower until Jesus was already in the Jordan, standing in our sins. Although that he never sinned, he became as one who is unclean, whose righteous deeds are polluted like a polluted garment. He was baptized into our iniquities. And we didn't see him rend the heavens and 
Jesus transfigured and shining like the sun until the law of the prophets was already witness to his exodus on the cross. He tore apart the heavens. He crossed the divide that sin caused. And he came down. He condescended to us. He came all the way down to Mary's womb. Human. True man. He came all the way down into the Jordan to be the sin bearer. He came all the way down from Bethany on a colt and up into Jerusalem to die. He came all the way down onto a cross, a sinner lifted up as sin itself, like a polluted garment. He came all the way down. And this Christ poured himself out, making himself nothing, making himself like clay for the potter. Jesus yielded up his spirit to rend. Jesus lifted up his spirit to be torn apart and the temple veil in torn in part in two from the top to the bottom. His spirit torn apart to quake the earth, to rend the rocks that the mountains might shake before his tortured face. Jesus, the true child, of the Father prayed Isaiah's prayer as a sinner in our place so that we could pray and call God our Father. This is the incarnation that makes it possible. This incarnation empowers the resurrection, both Christ's resurrection and ours. This is the incarnation that empowers the ever-present coming of Jesus in word and in sacrament. It empowers the future coming of Jesus to take us body and soul into eternal joy. It is this incarnation that makes Isaiah's prayer possible. And so, therefore, Isaiah's words no longer seem arrogant, self-deceptive, or dangerous. Instead, Isaiah's words, they are a confident confession that looks forward to the salvation of God incarnate. They are words of confidence that speak and proclaim the salvation of God in the flesh. In the name of Jesus, amen. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, 
please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed, printed on page three of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from the heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate with the Virgin Mary was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we praise your holy name. Thank you for bringing us together safely once again. Holy Father, you know we remain stressed, anxious, angry, and fearful about our future on earth. You already know this, and even though we often have no words to describe our feelings, your Holy Spirit hears our souls groaning, and so therefore you also hear. We're confident in your saving grace through Jesus, and we know that we will be with you one day, but our lives in the United States that were once peaceful and hopeful have been turned upside down and backwards. Our society's sins, and even our own personal sins, have led younger generations to embrace as normal nearly everything you have warned us to avoid, Lord, we warn our children of all ages that their behavior and disrespect, especially towards you, has consequences, but they don't listen. Holy Father, please guide us to turn things around because we haven't the wisdom to know where to start. Almighty Lord, we continue to pray for an end to the COVID virus. Many of our government politicians, medical politicians, and news media strive to frighten us and keep us paranoid in order that we trust their ever-changing expert opinions and elevate their overinflated perception of self-worth. Help us know what to do, Father. We know and trust that your will is going to be done regardless of our opinions, but we surely would like to know what you want us to do. Please open our hearts and minds to hear your voice Holy Spirit, cast out our fear and strengthen our trust in our Heavenly Father. Dear Lord Almighty, we complain a lot. We have learned from Adam and Eve and all generations since how to blame others for our failures. Thank you for loving us anyway and not casting us out of your garden of salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord in heaven, thank you for our nation. It stands after 244-plus years in spite of the many attempts to destroy us since 1776 because you have protected us, even from ourselves sometimes. We pray that you remain with us and guide us through the storms we face today. We continue to pray for our president and all who serve the citizens of our nation at all levels of government. Holy Father, we also continue to pray for the safety of all military members, firefighters, paramedics, and police who serve to protect us all. Father, we know that the earth is your creation, as are all parts of the universe, including us. It is your power to control natural forces and to give or take life. Thank you for calming the storms that have threatened us all and for sparing the lives of those who have chosen. We thank you for healing our loved ones and friends of their brokenness, whether in body or spirit, on earth or in heaven, in accordance with your divine plan. Though this should be a joyous time of year, particularly the celebration of your son's birth, it is terribly difficult for those already separated from friends and family by distance or broken relationships and now amplified by government edicts driven by fear that demand further and protracted separation from each other. Holy Spirit, please comfort the minds of the lonely and those in despair, enable us to focus on their needs above our own. 
Thank you for the animals and living creatures you created that surround us and with whom we marvel at the diversity of your creative power. We especially thank you for those animals you created for us as pets. As other humans may occasionally disappoint us or abandon us, pets express love unconditionally, provide constant companionship, never disappoint, and bring us great joy. Thank you, Holy Father, for this wonderful gift. Lord, we're also realizing that our association with each other is far more valuable than the accumulation of material objects that we so vigorously pursue and even idolize in place of you. Thank you for your written word in Holy Scripture and pastors who remind us of our sins as well as your saving grace in the face of such idolatry and greed. Thank you for this congregational family in Christ, and please keep us safe from all harm within this sanctuary. Please continue to watch over and heal the members of our church family who suffer and bring them your peace. Holy Father, you told us that life would be difficult on earth, and even more so for those faithful to your son Jesus. As always, you told us the truth. We struggle daily and are anxious for Jesus' return, but as we wait, we pray. Holy Spirit, for strength in our faith, perseverance in the face of adversity, and a deeper appreciation for all the blessings our Father has poured out upon us. Jesus, our real thanksgiving is to thank you for saving our souls. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace from a distance responsibly. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night, in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you.
Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious, triumphant coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. said earlier, those in attendance, we will have um, Holy Communion after the service. Um, so now the benediction. I hope that I didn't lose you on that rather lengthy sermon. Uh, I was listening to myself give it and I kind of went, ooh, ooh. Oh, and I and you know that I pray before, and I've told you this. I said, Lord, help me, help me get out of your way, and that the gospel would be done unto you. And I think I could have made that twenty-five-ish minute sermon a lot shorter by saying it really is all about Christ and Him crucified. Have you heard me say that before? The Advent happened, but that's not about all that it is about. The Advent is coming, but that's not all that it's about. It's really all about Christ and him crucified, because if he hadn't, then as Paul says, we should be pitied above all fools because our faith is pointless, and we know that it's not pointless, that he is a God that loves you, and he's a God that pursued, pursued you, and through his Son gave you and me the right be called children of the living God. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is Good, Good Father.
Can hardly think as you call 